Mies. You have fucking Mies running around filling out the Mario baseball roster. God, like that it. fucking sucks. <laughs> well, you don't want to spend $25 on some Mies. Oh, did I say 25? I'm sorry. I forgot contemporary video games cost 70 bucks. Imagine looking up your team's 40-man roster and seeing that half of it is fucking Mies. No thanks. <laughs> I love paying monies for the opportunity to put... Jesus, I'd rather my plastic version of one of the He-Man B-side characters onto a Mario baseball team. Have you seen uh, the Dork Rage over He-Man? By the way, what is the Dork Rage over He-Man? So the evidently they made a Masters of the Universe show that I don't know, tries to take a wide lens on the Masters of the Universe franchise, which is a mistake for reasons that they do not grasp. But they're basically mad that it follows the girl character more. Tilo. Oh, shut up. I, I just... Right? <laughs> In case you couldn't pick that up at home, uh, they just said, uh, oh, shut up, which is a pretty straightforward reaction to having anger about that. If, have you, if you've commented on this issue and you don't vote, I want to meet you. Not fight you. This is not the parking lot offer. I want to meet you so I can understand. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I have no desire to ever meet you. <laughs> Because I know what the I had no desire to ever learn about this either. I know what the politically motivated version of you is like, but I need to know what the person who has only invested this in and of itself, not even as a proxy war thing, just where's Bohemian? I, I almost understand. Like, just imagine being so fucking into the character, right? Being so fucking into He-Man, right? Being insulted by that four non-blondes thing that appeared on YouTube <laughs> years ago, right? Hating that shit. Being like, no, they fucked with my... They fucked with He-Man. They fucked with my guy. And then here comes this He-Man show, and he's not even the fucking star of it anymore. I I understand that perspective. I only... And then also never fucking reading the news and not even knowing who Kristen Cinema's name is. <laughs> Wait, there's probably a decent number of chuds who don't actually know who Kristen Sim is. Uh, who doesn't know who uh, Kamala Harris is. There we go. <laughs> I almost get it because I like Batman and I, I've seen three shitty Batman movies that were made between the 80s and 90s, but I never started a reactionary movement based on their existence. It's weird imagining the Bat credit card putsch. As I get older, I understand Batman and Robin more. I understand what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they wanted to go camp. It, he, it, he, wanted, he wanted to do the 60s show, but like, you know, with a budget. I, I, I get it. It's, um, it's a defensible choice. Was it a good choice? I don't know. I, uh, I, I probably would have taken off Schwarzenegger's shirt for that one. I, uh, pragmatically, it was not a good choice. Mm, mm, mm. I think he was... Something of a pariah for a while after that. I don't actually think that his career ever fully recovered from that particular choice that he made. Uh, that's that rough. So I guess the studios don't like when you drop a diamond cash cow. No. I respect the choice that he made. <laughs> I respect Schumacher's choice to have made Batman and Robin the way that he did. I still think that uh, Batman Returns is the best of those four movies. I don't know if it's something as you get older and you've just seen enough stuff, but I, I guess I am just hitting that point where I where I do just want to reward wide swings more. Okay, yeah. Maybe I've just been overstimulated. 
I don't know if this is the artistic version of when you've just watched too much of a particular type of erotica or something. <laughs> like my narrative sensibility just can't get off to maybe, the hero's journey or maybe, something. Maybe maybe they don't need to be related this time. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and there's a lot of uh, plugs in the beginning of them, so to fuel my ego, I'm going to do something a little different for one second. If you are in the New York area, or fuck it, if you just live on the East Coast and love airplanes, (laughs) come get a Vamp Stamps tattoo from one Morgan Wright. Who is here with us in the room? That's at vamp.stamps on Instagram. They have the juice your skin needs. And an effective new boo design. Alright, so I'll take it into something resembling our business Oh, right, now. yeah, no, the point. Yeah, yeah, that thing. The point. That, that fucking bastard. <laughs> I'll forgive it eventually. You know, it's uh, fast times... In various shades of publishing, for some reason, uh, print and cable keep on doing well in, in spite of every projection of reality, so cosmic shrug on what does or doesn't cause that. But what's important is that those are venues through which a lot of new people are coming into anime and manga. Anime. And we are in anime and manga podcast. Ostensibly. Unless you seethe whenever we fucking go into, like, we're also, Avatar or Castlevania We're also a or Cape Shit and Baseball podcast, too. Cape Shit, Baseball, Wrestling, Gambling. But boy, do we filter all of that nonsense through anime. So since a lot of people, you know, passively come in, coming in, I thought it would be fun. Because, you know, how do you bring people into the community? Specifically, how do you bring them into a community? Well, mechanically ensuring they don't become isekai people. Or are not just instantly bored or, you know, just... Turned off. Turned Sometimes off anime can be weird. I get it. I like weird anime, but you need to like anime first before you like weird fuck anime. I think there is definitely an argument to be made for that. Like Maybe you need to be able to just appreciate the athleticism of boxing first before you get into the MPH of someone's right underhook. Oh, you're talking about Hajime no Iba? Yeah. Or, like, I... I'm glad that I was a weeb before I watched Prison School, because I think if that was my first anime, I uh, I might have been turned off of it forever. You need a vocabulary to go into. You need to prison know school. exactly what the fuck you're watching to watch Prison School. <laughs> There's some stuff you have to read and watch. I'm not even sure everything you need to read or watch to understand Prison School has to be good, because there are some passive lampoons of anime sex culture going on in that thing. It is a show with a whole lot of ancestors. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Have you seen Slayers? <laughs> Have you seen Slayers? We each came up with ten. A list of ten. We made sure they were not the same ten, because uh, at the end of the day, the two of us are kind of a fucking palette swap. It's true, it's true. It's really, it's double dragon in this motherfucker. <laughs> but you'll notice that these lists are quite clearly made by very similar people, so, you know... You know, people that might have shared a, a viewing session at some point. So, do you want to hit yours first, or should I roll through? Or? Um, I'll, I'll hit mine first. The, uh, the rule that I came up with for myself is that I could obviously fucking recommend you Hiroaka, or Full <laughs> Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, or, you know, fucking whatever. 
We're not going to do that, though, uh, because I'm sure that there's dozens of YouTube videos out there suggesting, you know, Hiraka, Full Metal Alchemist, Avatar The Last Airbender, etc., 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 as your first anime. You know, if you're not into it yet and you're looking to get your feet wet. So, uh, in lieu of that, I have come up with ten... You know, you're probably gonna know their names if you're into anime, and if you're not, then, you know, you might have heard of one or two of them. Uh, you know, I think, um, going through the list right now, it's best not. Okay, yeah, yeah, probably, probably at least one name is gonna sound familiar. And I kind of, instead of, you know, ranking it ten to one, with one being the best for beginners, and ten being the tenth best for beginners, that doesn't actually make sense, I sort of cater each one to a certain place that one might be coming from, you know? Um, Fair approach. So, so that is, uh, that is what, uh, that was my strategy in coming up with these 10. So it's not an ordered list. It is a, uh, organized list. It's a list of disorder. Cool. All right. Number one on my list of mm -hmm. gateway anime to get your friends to become degenerates like you. <laughs> Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a film that we actually talked about uh, some time back on this very podcast. A couple of these are. Uh, Sword of yep. the Stranger. Is that is a fine place to come in. Such a fucking fantastic action movie. I would call it one of the better action movies of the last 20 years. And it also just happens to be a fucking anime. If I could dump in, because I didn't put this on my list, so I'll just comment on it here. Yeah. If you just love jokes and think that... Japanese cartoons are for fucking losers. I suggest you just enjoy this movie anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... So this this was a movie that appealed to several different, like, sets of interests of mine. I think primarily the animation nerd, but right after that was the action flick nerd, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm big into martial arts movies. 36 Chamber of Shaolin, and I think The Raid, the first Raid movie, very close, it's close, because The Raid, <laughs> the Raid 2 is also fantastic, are my two favorite martial arts movies of all time, and if I had to pick a top five, Sword of the Stranger would absolutely fucking be in there, and I do think that it counts. Uh, I think it is just as impressive, the animation that went into those fights, as the choreography that went into the ones in The Raid. In 36 Chamber. It right? is deeply fluent in its language of violence. Mm -hmm. I think um, the plot is pretty easy to grok mm -hmm. for, you know, just someone who happens to be watching it. It doesn't really require any sort of anime vocabulary at all. The yeah. way that a few things that I was thinking of but then kind of thought better of do. It's a very simple in-group, on-group duty kind of story. Uh, one of my rules, uh, I didn't really spell it out at the beginning, but one of my rules was no shows featuring characters who are otaku. Because, like, <laughs> that, that forces, that assumes something of the viewer right there. So, Genshiken, which I think is a great show, uh, great manga, Genshiken was right the fuck out. Genshiken is the, perhaps the anime version of the film Moneyball. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I would... I'd almost compare it to Community, in that Community is about television and film, and, you know, Genshiken is about manga and anime. Okay, so my number two pick. Uh, mm -hmm. This one, like, this one is me kind of swinging for the fences here, because there's a chance that it could alienate 
a, uh, a viewer who comes by knowing, let's say, fuck all about anime, other than uh, there was this Pokemon thing that happened in the late 90s and all the kids were into it, so... Hey, this is that thing that had, like, red and blue and rainbow version, right? Yeah, that person, right? So, maybe they might think it's a little weird for them, but... But I'm willing to... I'm willing to gamble that this is a show that can stir something elemental in any person who has, you know, you know, two ears and a heart, two <laughs> eyes and a heart. And I'm, uh, I'm speaking of Tengen Tapa Gurren right? So this is, this was the show, I think I've mentioned this before on this podcast, Gurren Lagann was the show that took me from guy who watches anime sometimes to fucking weeb. This was the show that got me, like, fully fucking invested in this medium. 100 and get... 100 fucking percent. I wanted more after this. This was the show that made me feel like, fuck, I I haven't had enough of this yet. I need more than this. I need more than this. And then I watched Evangelion after that, and it was, it was kind of weird. Uh, I can totally... A little bit whiplash right there. <laughs> Then I found all of the um, all of the uh, the earlier Gundam shows because I think uh, Wing had already aired on Toonami. I'd seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I found uh, then I found a bunch of uh, Shonen. I liked some of it, didn't like some more of it. Then I found you know the the horror animes. There are a couple of good ones out there. Then I found this. Then I found that. Then you know like I, and so it went. Do you know if that manga adaptation of Wing that come before? I said adaptation ahead of time. Was that before or after the anime proverb? Because that was very well published in America. Uh, are you talking about Star... Not Star Stardust Memories. That was... Uh, that was I'm not talking about the movie. I just mean there was a manga version. of Literally the same plot beats. Oh, there was? Very, I don't know, man. Very extensively published. I, mean, I just know I had a bunch. I am certain that uh, that was made as an accompaniment to the anime. Because there are few, if any, Gundam series... No Gundam series proper are based on a manga, and only a few Gundam uh, movies are based on pre-existing source material. I know that Unicorn was. I know that uh, Hathaway is. Uh, all right, logic rocks. But yeah, Tengen Top of the Gurren Lagann, I could definitely see that as something that one sees and then says, ah, I'm going to have to read a lot of subtitles now, aren't I? <laughs> and it is weird. Certainly. Uh, but it's weird in a way that I found it didn't expect anything of me. It said, sit down, sit the fuck down right now, and we're going to put on a fucking color and light show. And <laughs> you are going to be, you're going to fucking love this shit. Strap X in. A strong choice, a very strong choice. All right. So uh, we were we were talking about Gundam just now, right? On this podcast? Are you sure? Like, did you not stroke out or something? <laughs> So, this is a Gundam hate cast. You fuck Gundam, all my homies hate Gundam. <laughs> we did five episodes about how much we hate Gundam. You counted as five? That was the chorus cycle. We talked about oh, each scenes oh, individually. Yeah. Cool, okay. And yeah. also did a flashback about how much we enjoyed the first one, <laughs> just to come back and shit on Korra again. <laughs> Alright. So, Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin. Uh, I, Hi. again, mentioned this on this show before. Uh, it is... It and uh, and Thunderbolt are you know my two you know choice gateways into Gundam. I also realized that the origin 
would be a really fantastic gateway into anime itself. And specifically for your friends who are into prestige TV type shit, um, uh, like, you, like you, everyone, like that sheen. everyone has that friend who, you know, you haven't watched Breaking Bad, but they have, and they will not get off your fucking back about how you should watch Breaking Bad. Uh, and, you know, they're into those, you know, hour-long dramas about, you know, some anti-hero who'd be the biggest <laughs> fucking bastard in real life who you'd want to just avoid. I would want to avoid. Others might want to commit acts of violence against said person. But they're, they're into that kind of character, right? Yeah. We got, we got better, better Call Saul now, right? Uh, it's still there. Although, oh man, I, I hope he feels better. I hope so too. Uh, anyway, this is for that guy. This is for that Prestige TV, Sopranos, Wire, Breaking Bad fan. Uh, because Mobile Suit Gun The Origin largely, not entirely, but largely, follows the you know early character arc of Shar Aznavol. Kind of just one of the premier anti-heroes slash bad guys slash, you know, mustache twirlers of the anime canon. The comic version extends the entire Garma plot just to make it dickier <laughs> when he shits on that man's life. I... The OVA just goes to such lengths to make Garma just such a bitch. <laughs> uh, I, I, almost, I almost kind of wish that it hadn't because, you know, like, the bitchier he was, the, the less you kind of ultimately care when Char betrays him and has him murdered. It's a thing, it's a thing, uh... What is it in the heart of man that beats against the synth? <laughs> anyway, I like Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin because A, it's a it's like this fun kind of plot and also character driven. I would would you call it character driven or plot driven? The origin? The origin, yeah. It is Okay, people use plot driven sometimes as a dig. I would I don't use it that way. No, I think it it's is a category. A, it is in a sweeping series of political events that are essentially by nature plot-driven. Yeah. I would, uh, I would definitely call it plot-driven. It, 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 some, it somewhat feels like a uh, like a history. Yeah. Like almost, not like a history documentary, but, you know, like you're, uh, like a history film. Mm-hmm. Except the history takes place in the future. And, and the following. prime minister got shot and mm-hmm. things are happening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that is, uh, that actually, that's another just sort of point of appeal for Mobile Suit Gundam, the origin is, like, how much of a uh, biopic it feels like at times. Uh, and I like me some good biopics. I just watched that um, one with Timothy Chalamet playing uh, one of the King Henrys mm-hmm. from, like, a year or two back. That was fun. Cool. Uh, yeah, I don't do too many biopics. I think I really fell off after I watched... It was this Nelson Mandela one that just marched along the beats of default biopic. Mm. And I'm staring at this movie like, this guy lived a life weird enough that you could have done... Something more interesting? Something more interesting. Almost anything, and... Instead, you just made movie 14. So I guess biopic just doesn't come as my default, as my default compliment, but... I like a, a, good, bi- a good biopic. Yeah, a good biopic, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so you're probably going to have a whole lot to say about this next choice, uh, Denard. I think I might have honestly swiped it from you a little bit, so sorry about that. I'll get better at basketball eventually. All right. So, uh, for the friend who's into genre shit, um, (laughs) but not yet anime, 
Um, fucking Psychopaths. It's Blade Runner. Good. Yeah, yeah. Psychopaths. Psychopaths is a special one. I uh, definitely got scooped because I got his list sent to me first. I said, ah, oh, okay, I guess I'll just have to dig a little deeper into my laurels then. But uh, Psychopaths is a lot of things that you just come to appreciate the longer that your fingers have been in the sci-fi water. Sure. And I think it's important that I say sci-fi water because, again, these are things that appeal to you before you're even any kind of weeb. Certainly. There's an economy in the storytelling. There's a freshness in the world while still drawing from some very tangible and interesting things in sci-fi's history. And you find a lot of the best sci-fi work has that kind of cadence. And obviously this is, you know, on the beating heart that things like Blade Runner or in a much dumber way Minority Report put out before it. Psychopaths makes its own great individual hay out of that stuff. And also just, you know, the de- the detective mechanics at the heart of it are just classic just fun. It's like really fucking well done on a, you know, basic instruction level. Yeah, I feel like I'm repeating myself somewhat, but there is something about Psychopaths specifically that does not require you to have a vocabulary, like I was saying, mm-hmm. in anime in order to understand. It's certainly, yeah, it's certainly going to uh, reward you if you're into, you know, your Philip K. Dicks, uh, you know, your Ridley Scott, specifically Blade Runner, um, all those sort of speculative, like, those short stories that got adapted into, like, really fun movies about, you know, sort of just, like, what if the world was kind of like this, or there was this thing about the world that was different, right? And it had, and it speaks to this particular thing in society that is being talked about, this particular zeitgeisty thing. You know, sort of, um, like Minority Report was about the surveillance state, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, Psychopaths becomes uh, also about the surveillance state, but also, but you know, revolves around the conversation about mental health. Yeah. Right. You know, the big, big four-letter word, mental health. Uh, as a big as four-letter word, mental health. Big letter, like what makes authority legitimate? Yes. Uh, so it, it, it manages to be not just a great anime, but a fantastic fucking piece of sci-fi. Like, real fucking great piece of sci-fi. And I think any sci-fi nerd, um, if they are not already acquainted with anime, would be well advised to give it a checking out, uh, because it brings shit to the genre. It really does. Yeah, it's... It definitely does, like, your your sci-fi friend who isn't necessarily looking for the operatic sweeps as much as just the, what does this really mean, man? We'll get some, we'll get something out of Psychopaths. Spooky boogie. <laughs> and, you know, there's a bit of a sense of humor in there, too. That really sort of goes overlooked on Psychopaths, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's got, like, fun shit to it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, def- it definitely does. Okay. So this is... This is another one of my more out there choices, but I, I think it is a defensible one. Spice and Wolf, for you history nerds out there. That's a name I haven't heard in quite some time. For you history nerds and also um, screenplay nerds out there, I am a really big fan of um, dialogue-based stuff. Right? I was seconds away from putting. Uh, uh, Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai on this list before reconsidering because 
it's, it's good, a, but it's advanced math. It's a little bit advanced math. I've been talking about it too recently, and it's, it also rewards you for being more familiar with uh, the nuances of modern Japanese culture than someone who is not you know, too amazingly into anime would otherwise be, right? I would also suggest that the uh, show sometimes plays the game of laying out the candy of up. We could vomit on our pants in this standard anime way and then not doing that. And then not doing it, yeah. Which is so, fine and well and good, but doesn't really do much for someone who, for someone who is not familiar with the vomit in the first place. Who is not really like, sure what expectations they had just subverted. Yeah. Uh, right. So so here's Spice and Wolf that takes place in medieval Europe. So you don't have to worry about that shit anymore. Uh, it is... Uh, I, it's, it's, it's about a subject that I kind of uh, really liked. I mean, like there's the whole economics thing that is honestly the main subject. But... It is about the transition from paganism to Christianity uh, in you know medieval Europe in the wake of the fall of the Roman Empire. Right, it takes place. I I, I I'm sure that they say it out loud. I it seemed to me like sometime uh, slightly pre gunpowder, so like the twelve thirteen hundreds or so. Right. This one's for you, uh, Justinian's flea nerds. Or the Great Mortality. Probably before or after the Black Death. I feel like that would be a little bit more of a... I can't remember if Plague was ever mentioned in this. If Plague was mentioned in it, I would put in the 1400s, because otherwise it would just be about the Plague, if it was uh, <laughs> in the 1300s. And if it's not mentioned, then I would put it in the 11 or 1200s. Damn. So, medieval Europe. Suffice it to say. Uh, and it is this fun kind of dialogue-driven uh, drama, romance, intrigue kind of plot-based thing. Uh, actually, it's it's much more character-based, but you know, in but there's a uh, an intrigue plot to it, right? About uh, trading guild schemes in the Middle Ages and how the church uh, has been guilty of <laughs> so so many sins since its inception. Uh, Really, really lays a whole lot of shit about at the uh, at the Catholic Church's feet, except in the anime where they actually had to edit out all the Christian symbolism because they were, it was so scathingly, uh... it, it it had so many hot takes about uh, the church and what the church may may uh, may or may not be guilty of uh, that they they were. Worried that folks might get upset, that certain powerful entities might get upset. So you will see them go through churches and, you know, you'll look up at a church and there will be this big circle, right, at the top of the church where something should be on the inside, but it's not. And there'll be these stained glass windows where, like, there's this big space in the middle and it's empty. Oh god, it's, instead of a big T, there was an S or a U. Nope, nope, there's just nothing. Just nothing, not there's even... just fucking nothing. Not even McDonald's. Nope. nope. Damn, that's impressive. It's, uh, it really is. Uh, it's all there in the light novels. Uh, in the anime, they decided to chicken out. Uh, well, no. All of that shit was, like, animated and drawn into it, and then it was edited out. Uh. So it was, uh... Do you think light novels are going to take off as a format elsewhere? I feel like... I don't know. Part of me wants to say if they were ever going to take off in the States, then they would have by now. True, this kind of thing could be relatively arbitrary. But, like, that, that's... Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, it could take off, you know, three years from now, 
for some weird ass reason. But mm. light novels are not fucking entry level shit. <laughs> so like, it needs to be something that can take off among non otaku's or non weebs and turn them into weebs. And I have yet to see a light novel that is well. Does I mean it? it would, they certainly would welcome that more. But I guess I just wonder like. The way that VTubers took off amongst weebs and not amongst people that touch grass and look at the sun. I kind of wonder if if light novels could find at least that scale grouping. I know that they have found some purchase among the weeb community, you know, so far. There are ways of reading them legally and easily in the States now where, Mm. you know, when the two of us were growing up, fuck you, you had to, like, find some weird illegal horror fan translation online. That's how I got my, you know, that's how I, I read ahead on Suzumiya Haruhi. Great. Uh, and then stopped reading ahead because the fucking dude cannot fucking write at any goddamn pace to save his life. <laughs> Although apparently he's very sensitive about that, so if he's listening to this, then sorry. You've brought a lot also, of joy to our experience. congratulations on your English lessons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're an English machine if you're picking up on that. Okay. Like, we lost Spice and Wolf here just uh, just a little bit. Good bit of combo, though. But, yeah, it's a, just a clever, dialogue-driven show um, for history nerds that happens to be an anime. Yeah. Moving on. Um, what is it? Where are we at now? Six? Six. Six. Okay, cool. Six. So, I want to just broadly... I, I fucking love this franchise. It is one of my favorite anime franchises just ever. It's up there with Gundam for me. Uh, and then I want to point to a specific, very, very easy entry point into that franchise. The franchise is Lupin the Third. It's so fucking great. It requires so little of you at any point. You could really just pick an episode of Lupin the Third, have... Basically everything you need by the time you're 10 minutes into the episode and have a great time all 22 minutes. But if you want to have just a great little diorama of Lupin the Third, The Lupaniest Lupin. Then watch uh, Castle of Cagliostro. It was the first uh, feature film uh, directed by Hayao Miyazaki who went on to do, you know, all that Ghibli Some stuff. Some things of note. It's honestly there for me with it, it it might be my favorite film of his just because of i don't know i fucking love lupon and it's directed by hayao miyazaki it's it's a little it's kind of an an inimitable inimitable it has flying machines (laughs) because it's miyazaki in seriousness uh it introduces you to what exists of the loop on the third mythos of which like the details are pretty like Pretty basic, you know. You've got Lupin. Uh, You've got Lupin, you have his companions, you have Zinagata, and you have the world that they live in, which is just, uh, like Archer, it seems to take place in just all the cool parts of the 20th century. Yeah. uh, Which I always kind of enjoyed. It never really bothers itself too much with uh 1978 president ray carter it it takes place after world war ii for certain that's that's really all that's important about it and i would put it 
60s or 70s, except then there's, you know, all these episodes here and there where there's higher tech shit, so who yep. cares? <laughs> anyway, Castle of Cagliostro, lest I, lest I lose the thread entirely, is this great little self-contained, very Lupin-y story, right? Where, you know, he's trying to steal shit from this little micro-nation in Europe uh, and ends up embroiled in this succession crisis and, you know, one of the last true monarchies left on the continent. Uh, and he, he has this perfect little Lupin-esque character arc. Everyone who is a part of the cast gets to be, you know, their truest self, right? Mm-hmm. And it is such a fun introduction to the, um, not just to Lupin, but to really great vintage anime. Uh, That's what I like. I was trying to say, like, to that decade, but honestly, just like to vintage anime in particular. Trying um, to uh, breadcrumb this this uh, hypothetical person to Captain Haddock and all that business. Harlock. Harlock. Haddock is uh, that's Tintin. I mean, like, also a good watch. Like, those Tintin cartoons mm-hmm. were fun. No, so this uh, this is a great gateway into specifically vintage anime, and vintage anime can sometimes be a little bit like. Oh man, that is some limited animation right there. <laughs> do I, do I really give enough of a shit about this white line? Which uh, is uh, which is where Mr. Hayao Miyazaki comes in. Yeah, so you you get to you get some vintage anime on a you know movement on a feature budget, <laughs> and it's a really fantastic self-contained story about a character who I fucking love, yes. uh, and his arch nemesis who I love even more. Zenigata is one of my favorite anime characters of all time. The... And he acts like Zenigata. He wants to fucking catch Lupin, but but if there is a greater evil that he must stop, then he will defer to that. And that's, <laughs> like, that's just the rule of his character, and it makes him so fun and so compelling. He was always great fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, Added a lot to my uh, adult swim middle school staying at way past my prime. God. God, I fucking love it. Fucking love Lupin the Third. I still need to see that uh, that CG movie that they made. Apparently, it was uh, it was very well received. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So, uh, number seven, seven. Yeah. Number seven. See you, Hakusho. Uh, let's talk about shonen action. Uh, let's talk about how obtuse it can sometimes be. You remember, I I sometimes call it uh, competitive tax filing. Mm-hmm. There is good shonen action out there. Uh, there is stuff like Rurouni Kenshin. There is Yu Yu Hakusho. All of it seemed to come out in the early 90s for whatever reason. Because we are exactly 29 and 28. I'm actually 29 now. You're almost 30. You're 29 and 20. Oh! Oh, oh, oh. you're less than two months away, me compadre. Sorry, right now. This is going to become like tax filing hell. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. All right. Yu Yu Hakusho has this great kind of vibe to it that I enjoy. I like... I was trying to decide between this and Rurouni Kenshin. Rurouni Kenshin has this fun history nerd thing to it that I mm-hmm. love, but I also went with Spice and Wolf too, right? So I, I kind of, like, had... I, I ate my history nerd lunch, and... Is that the only factor that took you to Yu Yu Hakusho instead of Rurouni Kenshin? Rurouni Kenshin also has this fun thing where, like, you know, it makes you think. Uh, it <laughs> makes you think sometimes. Um, Yu Yu Hakusho makes you feel. Uh, and I'm not, like, talking about the feels or anything like that, but especially early on in that show, 
it has this, I wish I could figure out a better word than vibe to it, that, you know, watching it as an adult, I'm remembering how fucking unfair it always felt as a teenager. Just to be a teenager. Can I tap in? Yeah. So there's a youth in revolt thing in Yu Yu Hakusho that's generally taken for granted yes. in shonen action, particularly anything with a supernatural edge. It is essentially a genetic ancestor to that sort of feel you get in your uh, bleaches or Jujutsu Kaisen of you have either these delinquents or these people who are just sidelined by society. If I'll give Jujutsu something, it certainly plays that out in the long term better. I have this shonen jump app shit on my sure. phone. In thematically, whereas I guess Bleach just sort of lost the script of what that meant on an individual character level over time. Bleach got it to begin with, and then he, he was playing to what was popular about the series. Yeah. So I think it's very much that sort of, I don't know, youth and revolt, rebel without a cause thing. And it's something that you, we take for granted now, but you have to remember you're coming out of you got, like, Son Goku and Kenshiro kicking around yeah. when this kind of thing starts, and it's it's another wavelength. There is... I am very glad that I am not so old at this point that I find all of the themes that it has about adolescence to be facile, or maybe I am that old now, and they're just good themes that make sense and resonate with me even into my adulthood. As, Your you know, my adolescence just... gets further and yeah. further into the rearview mirror. And that is the thing that I like the most about Yu Yu Hakusho, is how how much it kind of gets teenagers. Uh, and, and yes, it does, like, go to shonen-y places after a while, certainly. But the characters never feel any less... Uh, specifically, you know, Yusuke and... Um, not Karama. Kuwabara. Kuwabara <laughs> is one of my partner's favorite characters in anime. And with good reason. He's... I like the built-in opinion we said, not Karama. <laughs> I just know that he's an ancient fox demon. <laughs> uh, so he's definitely not a teenager anymore. But, you know, they're, 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 he also is kind of a teenager, too. They're, they're, they're different teenage archetypes, right? But especially with Yusuke and uh, Kuwabara, they they never sort of lose that sort of um, that stupid sureness that you have when you are that age uh, that I almost miss about myself. Uh, and I think that anyone who is getting into anime um, can find a theme that tracks across cultures, even across... Generations now across you know, one period of your life to another because again I I still find it to be exceptionally resonant and I have not been a teenager for over a decade now uh, I expect that I will still find it to be resonant when I'm you know getting towards forty adding just a hint of emotional resonance to the show in action formula can take you a long way also uh, I wouldn't rec it's weird. Bleach and Naruto got a generation of kids into anime, and it's the most fucking obtuse shit sometimes, because they'll spend fucking six episodes on a span of, like, ten minutes in-universe. Oh, I don't get it, but <laughs> Yu Yu Hakusho 
does it, it, it's the same genre of shonen acts of shonen action, but it never overstays its welcome the way that shit does in Dragon Ball Z, in you know Bleach, in Naruto, in Black. Clover. Literally shorter episode orders. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, a fight will last one, one episode. That's it. Just one, yeah. or like the second half of one episode and the first half of another episode. That's it. Yeah, you. Um... You will not conceive and have a child in the production cycle of a single fight. Oh, the Dark Tournament arc also fucking kicked ass. It did. It's just... Doth with it. It's just one of my favorite just single arcs in anime. We all enjoy the, t- the life and times of sunglasses, man. All right. So, my number seven choice. Uh, and this is one that I stand by Eight. the hardest. Eight? Yeah. My number eight choice. And again, these numbers don't matter. This is just the eighth thing on the list. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the, one of the uh, one of the choices I stand by the hardest because this is actually the show that uh, I showed to someone who has previously had a professed dislike of anime, and then I showed it to this person. I showed it to this person, and he was like, "This fucking rules! I need more of this." <laughs> so first hits free. First, it's free. Fucking Black Lagoon. Let's fucking talk about Black Lagoon. It is a perfect crime drama. Uh, it has perfect fucking protagonists. Like, specifically, like, the two main protagonists, but also yeah. a fantastic supporting cast. Uh, it is a wonderful show about how you live this nice, normal little life, right? Because of the awful shit that people do yeah. so that you can live. This nice little life. And out there, in the places in society that you don't like to think about and you don't like to talk about, they don't. And you can have all these ivory tower-ass ideas about what is good and what is proper, but none of these ideas have been fucking tested the way that they are tested out where, you know, you do not have the protections that you so take for granted, right? Do you guys want to read or watch a way sweeter, way smarter version of the film Blood Diamond? Because <laughs> we're sort of putting that on offer here. And so this is Black Lagoon. This is a show about, you know, modern day pirates operating out of Thailand. Yeah. And it's like this great, like, girls with guns show. And it has uh, one of the most fascinatingly written relationships I've seen, not just has, in anime, but in, honestly, anything. It, it might just have the best non-action guy in an action show. Oh, for, yeah, yeah, 100 fucking percent. Uh, this is just a wonderful... It could be madcap, but never in a way where it's ridiculous. It is... I think what I would say about its madcapness or whatever degree ridiculous it is or isn't is that I think that the problem people intuitively have with things that you you might use the same words for that the try that Black Lagoon doesn't fall into is that the level of madcapness or ridiculousity or whatever you want to call it tends to oscillate or come up and down. There's no real interior logic behind it. I would say that Black Lagoon is knocking futs but it's pretty consistent like there is a chart and it put a pin on the chart of it is exactly this exactly crazy this it, it, yeah it follows its own rules yeah for certain 
Like, from the... Spoiler, spoiler. From the ship flip, we're sort of there throughout yeah, okay. the run of Black yeah. Lagoon. Fair enough. Uh, and I, um... It never... Its feet never leave the ground, which I think is important. Even as it, you know, does crazy fucking shit sometimes. Like, yeah. there are some fantastic action sequences in this show, uh, and it never... It never goes like Studio Trigger on you, you know? Yeah, yeah. As much as I do enjoy a few of the works of Studio Trigger. I would say that is the sort of instinctive backlash people have against some Trigger things, that Trigger does not know that there is a chart that it is moving on, <laughs> and it just kind of goes... Oh, what, how there's a character whose only size is that he's bigger than you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> magical. Fucking magical, Mr. Large. Um, so, yeah... Black Lagoon, both in being a fantastic character study, uh, having these great themes about what is right and how, you know, people are really only as good as the world makes them to be or as the world uh, requires them to be. And whenever it doesn't require them to be as good or it requires them not to be good, then that is what they will be. It's not an optimistic show for certain. Um, yeah, you won't see a uh, Black Lagoon uh, high school coming out anytime soon. Or maybe you will, it'll be fucking incredible. Well, he did a bunch of really funny Yankomas. Late on me. I mean, what, every now and again. You know, just little bonus bonus chapters in the margins of the uh, the Tankabans, and some of them would like take place in high school or whatever. Great. Yeah, it's great. It's funny. So, Black Lagoon is a show that I would recommend to, again, your action movie, crime film uh, friend... Uh, or just anyone who really likes a good um, serialized or arc-based uh, TV shows in general. Uh, I think Black Lagoon is just one of the fucking better ones. It's also pretty easy to digest. There's 26 episodes in an OVA. overly munchable, and I know because I went through those comics more quickly than Barnes & Noble could. Oh, it's such, easy, it's such easy reading. It's such easy viewing. I have watched through all 26 episodes inside of a day once. You can do it. It sort of made me feel like the literary equivalent of one of those just koalas that sit on the same place on a tree for 30 hours eating. Yeah, you wake up, you have coffee, you sit down at the TV, and you're there until like 2 or 3 in the morning. It's fine. I want to see what Revy does next. <laughs> choo, choo, I do choo, want to see choo. what Revy does next. Yeah. All right. Uh, number nine. This is... This is a special this one. This is such the fucking polar opposite of Black Lagoon. So... Um, do you want something that is fun, that is cute, that is charming, that requires basically no fucking attention span whatsoever? Because while it has continuity, that's not really required for you to enjoy it at all. You could honestly read any, it's a manga, you could read any particular chapter of it and find, you know, some amount of enjoyment just taking cues about the characters. Mm-hmm. Talk about Yatsuba. Have they never endeavored to make a Yatsuba anime? No, because he does not want them to. He, oh, we got a Bill Watterson, okay. He does not think that uh, it is a story that is suitable to animation. Okay. Although, um, they did... It, he's not a Bill Watterson because, uh, you know, they made an anime out of um, Azumanga Daya, right? Oh. His other work. Uh, and he was fine with them doing that. It, it, it was Yankoma. That's even less... I don't know. I find Yankomas to be perhaps less suitable to an anime adaptation than long-form manga... 
I it's barely qualified. It, it seems to arbitrary to me, but as as someone who enjoyed Louis C.K.'s joke structure, I'll take this creative idiosyncrasy over other things. Sure. <laughs> Alright. So Yatsuba is just a an episodic little story or an episodic story about this little girl and her dad and the people, you know, the people in their immediate neighborhood as they just Go about their daily life. This is the introduction to Slice of Life. This is one of my favorite Slice of Lives that exists. It is so perfectly charming. So, so very relaxing. Such a healing little series without any sort of really, um... Not stakes. It's just like the worst thing that could possibly happen is that, you know, Yatsuma doesn't have as good of a day this time as she might have. But don't worry, she does have a good day. <laughs> she always does. Uh, it's it's a manga artist endeavoring to make you want to shield this protect, little protect protect or you ever using the buzzword protect. Yeah, it's not even that. It's um for the non you know manga reader, the non anime watcher. I mean, it's never going to be an anime. So although uh, Yatsuba does show up in the credits of um. This one anime that's based on a spin-off Nyanbo or something like that. Nyanbo? Okay. All right. It's a... Yeah. It's complicated. Uh, always a non-speaking cameo. Anyway, that, and that's like the most animated that you're ever going to see Yatsuba outside of like, I don't know, fan animations. I'm sure they exist. Mm-hmm. So for one, familiarizing themselves with, you know, the right-to-left format in manga... Uh, Yatsuba is extremely easy to follow in that regard. You know, very, like, it's hard to, or no, it's easy to miss how good the paneling in that series is. Uh, the art is relaxing and charming and also somehow very good as, uh, given how simplistic it is. Uh, right. you will find he has this little trick he does where the older a character is, the more realistically drawn they are, um, yeah. sort of to get you into the perspective of Yatsuba, whose world, whose immediate world, is extremely simple, right? And extremely, like, there, there's very few limits to it, because, you know, there are no limits to the imagination, and as the characters, uh, as the older characters appear, you know, like, they they are older, they understand a little bit more about the world. They, they know how more, bunny drop ends. They know how bunny drop ends. You know, they are drawn to be a little bit more realistically, to sort of as, a, um, as an expression of their wisdom. There's a whole lot of great little choices made in this comic that you you miss if you're not looking for them. And so that's just a reread bonus. The immediate sort of uh, gratification that you get from this series is just a very fun, often side-splittingly funny series about, you know, this kid and her adventures through everyday life. While it is um, more rooted in Japanese culture than anything else in this series, it less requires that you have a base knowledge of you and actually does, instead does a very good job teaching you uh, about, you know, just everyday Japanese life. Um, I think they go to Hokkaido once, and they go to a farm in Hokkaido, and uh, there's a, a scene where they, uh, where they, where it's winter, and they're busting out that, uh, that table heater. That they have in Japan. I can't remember exactly what... I can't remember... Yeah, I can't... What's it called? Starts with a Y, I'm sure. I have no table heater access. Also, I'm going to uh, 
admit a weeaboo hell sin here. Mm-hmm. I have read four pages of Yatsuba. And then my broken soul inched towards my copy of Black Lagoon that I was reading <laughs> three minutes prior. I want, I want to see what Revy does next. <laughs> I, uh, for the Kinoless Dust, I say. That is totally fun. All right. So my final entry on this list. Uh, this is for you. Your... Uh, the 20th century Fox music uh, coming in here. It's now just 20th, 20th century pictures now or 20th century productions because Disney owns it as they own all things. The relentless march. God. All right. So this is for your art friends. If you live in the city, then you have one. At least one. Probably multiple of them. Uh, I live in the city. Most of my friends are art friends, and that's uh, capital A, capital F. <laughs> so we're talking about Paranoia Agent. This is Satoshi yep. Kon's uh, only venture into TV. He was usually just a uh, feature animation director, but I... It worked out. Here's the thing. We live in the 21st century. Um, memes got a fucking president elected. Yes. This is a series about... This is a series about ideas getting away from people. This is the series about the collective imagination being a horrible, unknowable thing that that can make imaginary things real. They can make imaginary dangers real. And there's there's something about that that seems like it aged like a fine fucking wine. I know what you're talking about. Just, just about like ideas, you know, giant people little nuts. Inspiring the occasional taking life of your own, inspiring the occasional bout of violence. Yeah, I mean, like how how being a society or two. I don't really see how you could possibly find any. Yeah, no. So this is founding one America news. (laughs) This is an almost twenty-year-old series at this point. I believe it aired in two thousand three. So it's getting up there, and yet it understood people in the twenty-first century and how people would sort of come to react to the 21st century in such a way that I I don't Satoshi Kon um, may he rest in peace had some sort of finger on the current of how people are how they think how they behave that I that I envy and absolutely fucking do not envy at all um, all at once and the show itself is got this kind of Darren Aronofsky thing because Darren Aronofsky is a uh, giant Satoshi Kon fan, so uh, his stuff will, you know, especially uh, Black Swan. Black Swan is just a fucking perfect way to watch it. Uh, it's perfect blue. Uh, <laughs> perfect black. Darren Aronofsky was um is a big Satoshi Kon fan, so you know you you've watched his films, you've you've watched some Satoshi Kon, uh, so I think you might. Uh, I think you might find something about Paranoia Agent. And, you know, it's um, it's a show about these people trying to find a serial killer that it turns out, spoiler alert, was willed into existence by a rumor. And, uh... If I could put a pin in part of just the contemporary or retroactive or even when it came out appeal of Paranoia Agent, you can watch the movie and have a way smarter way just better version of that conversation people have been trying to force up idiocracy's ass for about six years now. Mm. Like, man, look at how it saw everything cut. 
I mean, I do love Mike Judge, mm-hmm. but uh, Satoshi Kon, uh, Satoshi Kon called it harder than Mike Judge did. Yeah. Let me not pretend to not be a fan of Ow My Balls. <laughs> it's a great joke. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no disrespect for Mike Judge. He's done so much stuff that I love. We've all forgiven the, what was the name of the fucking uh, LOL Libtard show? Oh, yeah, the, the one about the vegan family. Yeah, I, uh, no one cared. Okay. I'm trying to summon the name from the... It doesn't matter. Satoshi, I, I whatever. Satoshi Kohn is great. Paranoia Agent is a perfect cheese on the mousetrap for... It's so fucking... Like, and, like all of your, all of your, like, artisty, you know, my, uh, what's your favorite friends watch for faux film friends? Those guys, they'll fucking eat that shit up. Uh, and that actually concludes my list. These are my, you know, ten, you know, like, not beat you over the head with it recommendations because I feel like the tenth time that you get recommended Hiraka, you're never going to fucking watch Hiraka. You will never touch it. It is, it, 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 it is... So I don't want to be that tenth time for anyone. So these are these are ten titles that I feel like maybe one or two of them get bandied about a little bit. I feel like Gurren Lagann probably does out of all of them. Um, maybe Psychopaths too. Uh, but I am hoping that there are 10 shows that you, you know, might not have uh, had people just shove at you uh, that you can find, that you can watch, and that you can appreciate to the full extent that they can be appreciated without really having a, uh, a background in weep shit. Very cool. Now, I will gather my energies.